Father God, I pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit uh, in this house now. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, flow upon every individual and minister to us, refresh us, heal us where necessary, and empower us for the purpose that you have planned in our lives for the upcoming week. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Today, we're going to talk about joy, which is why I wore my most joyful shirt. Uh, it's got charcoal in it. It's not pure black, so this is as spicy as my wardrobe gets. But I did get the lay, which is, which is very nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, joy and rejoicing and commands to rejoice get uh, a lot of attention in Scripture, at least by one way of counting, uh, the command rejoice or be happy is the most frequent command in all the Bible, all the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, you have that whole book of Psalms, the song book right in the middle uh, of the Bible, and that's filled with encouragements to rejoice and to celebrate, uh, but a lot of the prophetic books have joy as their dominant theme. And even in the New Testament, depending on how you count, there's somewhere between like 80 and 120 commands to uh, rejoice. Uh, and, and all those commands to rejoice, all those verses about joy, they make for great memory verses. Some of you have probably got memory verses about joy. In your presence, Lord, is the fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord uh, is your strength. Uh, when the angel showed up to uh, announce the coming of Jesus, uh, what, did, what did they say? He said, uh, don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of great joy. Uh, we are supposed to be uh, incredibly uh, happy people, um, incredibly joyful people, uh, if that's a better word for you. Uh, the verse uh, from for today comes from Philippians 4. Uh, you got four through six on your program. I'm going to read uh, four through uh, eight. This may be a familiar verse for some of you as well. Uh, Paul has written a letter to the church in Philippi, and then he's signing off with some final encouragements. And so as a way to kind of sum up what he's been saying in the letter, and the letter is a lot about joy, he says this, beginning in four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, another translation is let your moderation or let your equanimity, let your, let your chill-outedness be evident to all would be a very uh, vernacular way uh, to translate that verse. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then to continue, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which bypasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
he says that as if it's a key to getting joy going in your life. Rejoice. Hey, celebrate. Be joyful. I'll say it again. Be joyful. Be chilled out and let everybody see it. The Lord is near. That's why where the Lord is, there's always opportunity for joy. So don't be anxious. Don't stressed out. But in every situation, pray if you need something. Let God know. But if you just are joyful and take your needs to God, then you'll have this sort of peace that just reigns in your life. And, and you don't have to think about it. In fact, you can't reason it out. Just let it go. Let it go. That should be a song. And that will guard your hearts. That will keep your hearts from breaking. There's a little implication there. That will help you in times of sadness. And here's how you do it. Keep your mind anchored in what is pure and right and lovely and true and praiseworthy and admirable. Make sure that you focus on the right things even when things seem to be going down the tubes. Powerful verse. Of course, uh, I'm pretty much the embodiment of joy. Uh, I'm super expressive. In fact, uh, one of the things that we have in the Sang family is, is we have a formal, a sanctioned Sang family happy dance. Yeah, we have this. Are you sure you don't want to demonstrate this with me, honey? No? The Sang family happy dance. Um, I invented the Sang Family Happy Dance during my years of tremendous depression, uh, beginning back when I was a grad student uh, in Chicago. <clears throat> I got ready for it by drinking just a little more caffeine. <laughs> because I was near suicidally depressed, obviously I felt like I needed a formal happy dance. Uh, and this is uh, as close to unbridled joy uh, as I could get uh, at the time. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, put, down, put down the camera phone. Oh, my family has arrived just in time for the Sang family happy dance. All right, so, so here we go. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna teach it to you. Unbridled joy a pure celebration of happy. Are you ready? All right, here we go. I, there's no music for this. This just comes from the music in my soul. All right, are you ready? So imagine something, something really happy, something glorious has happened, and it's, well, here. <clears throat> so here you go. Ready, go. What was that? Hanaho? Well, we have to warm up, don't we? We haven't done our warm-ups yet, so everybody roll your shoulders. Everybody stand up. That's right, I'm doing it. Everybody stand up. 
This morning I will indoctrinate you into the formal sanctioned Sang Family Happy Dance. Do you need to see it again or do you feel like you got it? I know there were a lot of subtleties involved. It requires a good bit of raw athleticism and grace. All right, again, no music. So just now, just, just start the music in your soul. Just let it out. Just, that's right. That's right. We can hear it in the spirit. Is my daughter crying? <laughs> you could have been up here with me. Just start. The, here we go. Ready? And let the happy out. Here's the big move. Oh, I see jazz hands. Careful, careful. All right, I want to go lose your balance. Well done. All right, all right. High fives all around. Uh, amen. Let's get the prayer team up. I think I've done. Yeah, you like James likes it. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, that was. That was one of my strategies uh, during my uh, deepest, deepest, darkest uh, depression. One of my other strategies, um, I had, I had four, four rules for surviving depression and hopefully someday overcoming it. Uh, don't panic, it'll be better in the morning. Exercise and eat right. Make hay while the sun shines. I won't explain that to you now. And take a Sabbath, stupid. It's the law. That was uh, one of my other rules. Every, every week uh, during my depression, I would, I would really make a, a point to take a Sabbath. And a Sabbath is, you'd think the Sabbath is about rest, but when you study the Sabbath laws in Scripture, uh, it's a day unto the Lord. And it was also characterized by celebration, by joy, by enjoyment. And so the only way I could really practice Sabbath in the, in the biblical sense was by, by taking, I, you know, I couldn't do a whole day because I was in such a wretched state, but I would take, you know, half a day. I would take several hours, and I would pretend that everything was okay. That's what I would tell myself to do. I'd pretend that everything was okay. And, you know, maybe not theologically sound, but, but that's how I could kind of get my mind into, uh, just do the mind shift uh, that would uh, allow me to kind of relax. It, where, there, where there is no joy, where there's no peace, where there's, old, there's no chill-outedness, then, then there really is no rest. Right? And it's one of the deep lessons that I learned uh, during my depression. Uh, so I came up with vast celebrations like the Sang Family Happy Dance that would help me sort of get into that mindset and uh, quote-unquote pretend that everything is okay. When do you experience joy in life? When do you experience joy in life? Well, I can tell you, uh, particularly uh, as a believer and as a former depressive, that you experience joy uh, whenever you want to experience faith. Joy is what you do to get faith. Or maybe faith is what you do to get joy. I'm not really sure uh, where, the, where the causality flows in that one. But faith and joy are inextricably and powerfully linked. So today I want to talk about joy. In particular, I want to talk about enjoyment. Enjoyment, uh, which is a slightly different word and a loaded word. Literally, enjoyment means 
to put joy into something, to end joy, like to enter a room. To enjoy is to put yourself into joy or to put joy into uh, something. So this morning, quickly, I want to identify what joy is, an operating definition for joy. I want to talk about what joy does for you, what it accomplishes uh, in life. And then I want to talk about how to get joy, if you want to get it, after seeing the saying, family, happy dance, you may be ambivalent, but how many people here want to have joy in their life? Sure, sure. Uh, so number one, what is joy? Now, uh, you may think uh, you, Jordan, have no particular authority to talk about joy because I'm not the most ebullient, expressive, shall we say, bubbly personality in the bunch. Pause for gasps. No, seriously. Uh, I'm not necessarily a person that you would think of as, as uh, filled with joy just through observing me. But like a thirsty person knows a lot about water, a depressed or a depressive personality, I think has a unique perspective on joy. Suffice it to say that I've had a lot of occasions to think deeply about joy, what it is, and what the lack of it might do to a person. Here's where I have landed on the subject. Fundamentally, fundamentally, I think joy is an affirmation of the presence of goodness. It's a response, an affirmation, a declaration of the presence of goodness in a moment, in a place, in a situation. Joy is an affirmation of the presence of goodness. Now, a very raw, familiar... Uh, example of this would be like spontaneous laughter when something really pleasant happens. You know, something pleasant or, or wonderfully surprising happens and normal people, not me, but normal people will laugh uh, when, when, when that happens. Uh, who, has a, who has a good laugh? Go ahead, out your friends, I don't care. Who does? Ben has a good laugh? Ben has a pretty good laugh. So Ben, stand up for us. Don't you slouch down in your chair, boy. Stand up. Come on. Oh, look. All, all your friends are laughing at you. All, all the people around him, stand up too. Go ahead. Yeah. Talking to you. Matt, Kim, I saw you laugh. All right. We're, we're going to do a group laugh? Sure, Dave. Come on, stand up. Okay, so on the count of three, laugh as in response to something pleasant. Ready? One, two, shh, we gotta hear this. One, two, three, laugh. Yeah, that, 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 that sucks. I'm gonna, give you another, I'm gonna give you another chance. I'm gonna give you another chance. Let's just, let's just bless them with an anointing of the Lord. All right, on the count of three. Ready? Come on, this is for Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. All right, all right. Two things demonstrated there. One, Ben's laugh, not as good as we thought. Uh, but two, uh, you know, an expression of joy releases joy. I mean, when, when, uh, 
people stand up and laugh in a group, there were lots of responsive uh, laughter. You know, uh, your attitude is the most contagious thing about you, and an attitude of joy is almost irresistibly contagious. Even if you don't laugh in response, I rarely do, faith will well up in you. So joy is an affirmation of goodness that carries a lot of power with it, a lot of power to release faith in the world. Joy and faith are inextricably and powerfully linked. Uh, so uh, it's an affirmation of goodness as in laughter in response to a pleasant circumstance, um, but also in a deeper, uh, quiet way uh, joy can manifest as in, say, I don't know, savoring a wonderful piece of art or quietly and warmly uh, celebrating the beauty of, of, of your children at play or, or something like that. And it's an affirmation of the presence of goodness in a situation or a moment. It, joy might even, might even be uh, the affirmation of the possibility that there is or will be goodness uh, in, in a situation or a moment. A guy who writes a lot about that is C.S. Lewis. Do you guys know C.S. Lewis, a, a famous and, and wonderful Christian author, uh, one of my famous, uh, favorites, wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, in which he essentially defines joy as a yearning for beauty, which in his mind is an admission that beauty exists out there. And when he realized that he had a yearning for beauty in every situation, he felt like that was that was joy and that was faith, and that is literally how he became a believer uh, by recognizing that his yearning for beauty pointed to something that required faith to apprehend. Uh, enjoyment, that word enjoyment, is often thought of as experiencing joy in joyful circumstances. To have enjoyment, well, you need something to enjoy. You need circumstances that are enjoyable. You need circumstances that are pleasant, that are wonderful. But I think that true joy is joy even in dark circumstances. True joy, if it's worth anything, is joy especially in dark circumstances because that's where the power is needed. Uh, joy is like a lantern in that fashion. And when you shine it, uh, as, as these guys did, it illuminates. It illuminates the potential for goodness even to people who are observing. And occasionally it can gather them into that affirmation of goodness. So if I were to put it in a phrase, I would say this. Joy is that which finds things to enjoy. Joy is what finds things to enjoy. If you have joy, you're going to enjoy. No matter what the circumstances are. Are you following me? Uh, if you're following me, everybody say amen. amen. Everybody say ha. ha. That's more joyful. Thank you. So I think that's what joy is. It's just an affirmation of the presence of goodness. And of course, in a universe designed by the Lord, or as Paul says to the Philippians, if the Lord is near, the Lord is near. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. The Lord is near. If the Lord is near, then there is at least a possibility for goodness in the moment. Is that not true? And so joy is a celebration of faith in what God does and what he can do. Joy is that which finds things to enjoy. What does joy accomplish? 
what does joy accomplish for you? Uh, it, it's, it's kind of a funny question, really, because uh, for most of the world, joy and enjoyment is, uh, is self-evidently wonderful, you know? Uh, joy and enjoyment is one of those things that a lot of people recognize as an end in itself. They're very famous philosophers, Socrates being one of them, and says, you know, the, everybody's goal is to enjoy life. That's what life is about. Um, and, and I think there is, there's a serious way uh, in which that is true, but I think you have to be careful about life goals and life targets, and they're a little bit different. Uh, when, a, when a runner runs a race, his or her goal, his or her target is the finish line. It's what, it's what she's running for, right? Toward. But his or her goal is, say, the gold medal. So you get your goal by hitting your target. You know, and, and if enjoyment is always your target, if you're chasing enjoyment, then I think you might miss the point. You know, it, it, it is a worthy goal in some sense, but often kind of a lame target. Um, there, are better, there, are better, there are better targets. You know, there are better steps than just going right for enjoyment uh, in life. Love. I think if you, if you love people, then you'll get sort of a, an indirect joy out of doing that. But love is the operation. Uh, that, that you're uh, pursuing. Uh, fruitfulness. You want to be fruitful in a kingdom way. That will release joy in your life, but you're pursuing fruitfulness. You're pursuing being a, a benefit and a blessing and a changer to the people around you. I think purpose, generally speaking, is really what we're to be shooting for. It's what we're trying to achieve. Uh, what is your life purpose? What is your specific and unique life purpose? Do you know? Do you know? Are you living it out every day? If not, sign up for that Pathway to Purpose conference. I think it's really easy to identify your unique life purpose. The hard bit is building a pathway so that you live it out every day, but we can get to that as well. Anyway, these are the things that make for really great uh, targets in life, really great operating uh, principles. Uh, I think joy though, is a virtue that you develop along the way. It's, it's, it's a virtue that you develop in pursuit of purpose. You have to develop joy if you're going to achieve the unique life purpose that God gives you. Uh, just as you're going to have to develop joy if you are going to be a strong person of faith or a person of strong faith. I think joy is the virtue that you develop as you live in faith. I think faith is the virtue that you develop when you practice joy. Again, I'm not sure which way the causality flows. I just know that they're really linked. Joy empowers faith. That's what it accomplishes. Joy empowers faith. I think it's also true that faith empowers joy, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. Joy empowers your faith. If you want more faith in life, if you want the faith that, that empowers miracles, that lets miracles happen in situations, if you want the faith that lets you just walk through life circumstances, no matter what they are, without stumbling, without slowing, without losing your stride, 
then I think you're going to have to develop joy, the capacity for joy. Imagine a crisis, I don't know, imagine a bad crisis in your life, whatever that is for you. Something terrible happens to a loved one, uh, your business collapses, um, crisis uh, in your marriage, um, whatever, it, whatever it happens to be, some sort of terrible crisis. In the moment of that crisis, when you are in it up to your elbows, you need a moment of affirming goodness when that happens. You need the ability to say, in the midst of all of the darkness, all of the chaos, there can be good here. And you get that little smile on your face. There can be good here. Right? It's an affirmation of goodness or the potential for goodness in that moment. And if you don't experience joy in that moment, the faith cannot flow. If you just 100% giving yourself to despair, faith cannot flow for you. Are you following me? If for you, uh, you decide that things just suck 100%. They just suck and there's no help for it. They suck and they're gonna suck forever. Have you be ever been in that mood? Have you ever had that moment? I'm really good at it. Things just suck in a pure and awesome way. Uh, and if you get stuck there, then nothing can happen for you. Faith cannot flow in your life if you are in pure despair. No faith can live in you. No faith can be released through you as it was so easily released through our laughers earlier. But even in those dark moments, if you can see echoes of God's goodness, if you can think to yourself, ah, you know, the Lord could do something awesome here. If you can get a little smile on your face and give a little chuckle, boom, the sun will dawn at least a little bit. You've let faith breathe at least a little bit. And if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, then you can move entire mountains, but you need it. You need that much. And joy is very, very often the doorway. If your faith is, is, as my often is, just the faith of pure grisly discipline, you know, the faith, the faith of, of Thomas uh, following Jesus to Jerusalem, all the other disciples say, Jesus, you can't go to Jerusalem. You'll be killed there. And, and Thomas says, well, let us go with him that we might die also. I love Thomas for that. So I identify with that guy. I know that kind of faith. I mean, there's still some goodness in it. But if you never get past that, well, let's just all go die. Right? If you can move just a little further and be like, well, let's go. We may all die, but we will see the goodness of the Lord before it's through. If you can just get to that point then at least you're letting the faith flow through you. It's not a dead end anymore. And joy is very often the doorway uh, that lets that happen. Faith is, is the courage to kind of hold fear at bay, but joy dominates fear. It just punches its lights out. It takes it down. Joy and faith powerfully linked. 
So joy empowers faith. That's what it accomplishes for you. Final question, how do you get joy then if you want it? If you want it. You may be dedicated to depression, you know, which, which is what depression is. I mean, that's the definition of the pathology in my mind. Depression is the sickness which tries to kill hope. You try to kill hope because hoping in something that might disappoint you is a source of pain in your life. So you try to kill hope. Everything sucks. Everything is terrible. And therefore, you can live a, a, little, a little bit more pain-free. Um, so if you're dedicated to depression, all right, uh, you've sort of given up, fine. This, this point is not for you. But if you want a little joy uh, in your life, uh, then how do you get it? How uh, you get it, I think, is connected to what it does, to what it accomplishes. I mean, joy and, and faith, joy empowers faith. So I think uh, getting joy is often a choice of faith. That makes sense, right? And again, I want to go to this word enjoyment. Enjoyment, because it's such a loaded word. Uh, the, the practice of enjoyment is used by some as an avoidance of uncomfortable uh, situations and uncomfortable emotions, right? You think of uh, that iconic version of the partier, the person that just parties all the time. It really defines uh, who they are. A lot of times we party um, uh, in order to, uh, to escape nasty situations, right? You're just kind of familiar with this pattern uh, in the world. Well, that kind, that kind of partying, uh, the, uh, the escapist kind, um, is an avoidance pattern, and uh, it never fully works, of course. All partiers, that kind of partier, uh, will have a driving sadness in them, a sort of nihilism, uh, a quest for self-destruction because they're trying to escape. They run into a dead end, so they'll just keep beating their head into the wall. It goes uh, with the pattern. Um, but even in that dark pattern, there is a kernel of truth, and the kernel of truth is that a choice for enjoyment um, is a way to deal with all the crap, right? You don't have to just be grievous, right? You can choose joy. Now, people who party in, in bad ways are making a choice for enjoyment. They're kind of running at the target of enjoyment. Let's just, let's just create a lot of enjoyable circumstances, and that will make everything better. Uh, and if we can't create enjoyable circumstances, let's just, you know, let's just drink a lot or take some drugs so that we will feel better no matter what happens. Um, but at least there's a recognition that you can choose joy. You can choose enjoyment. It's just their means are corrupt, and so it doesn't quite work out for them. Uh, I think that the truth is a bit deeper than that. I think you can choose joy as a way to transform the crap, not merely to escape it. And that I like. That I, I like a, a lot. Um, I don't think joy 
is a choice against sadness. In fact, uh, one of my personal proverbs is, Christians should be the happiest and the saddest people on earth. I think we should excel in both directions simultaneously, right? Because we are so good at joy that we have no need to pretend there isn't grief, right? You understand? Uh, the opposite should be true at well. If you're as well, if you're really good at grief and sadness, you should be excellent at joy. But that is another sermon, one that I've given on occasion. We'll get around to it some other time. You can tell if you're good at joy if you can be happy and sad at the same time. Right. But joy is a way to not escape sadness, but to bring transformation into circumstances that are sad to begin with, that are inherently uh, grievous. Why? Well, because it releases faith, of course, because it opens the doorway so that even when things are dark, the goodness of the Lord can happen. Right. Uh, a real uh, straightforward and uh, famous biblical example of this is uh, the story of Jesus raising the dead girl back to life in Mark chapter 5. Uh, perhaps you know this story. Uh, Jesus is on his way uh, to, uh, to heal a very sick little girl. But he's waylaid as he walks down the road by a woman who herself has a sickness. And he spends some time uh, ministering to her and getting her all better. Uh, and then by the time he resumes his journey... Uh, the little girl has already expired. The sickness has taken her life. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. She's just sleeping. <laughs> he gets to the house, and the, the funeral mourners have already gathered, and, uh, and they're wailing, they're crying, uh, they're moaning out of grief. Jesus says, oh, she's just sleeping. And then they laugh at him, not in a happy way, but in a cynical, uh, derisive sort of way. And so Jesus kicks them out. You know, and he says, don't be afraid. He doesn't say, you know, don't be sad. He says, don't be afraid. <laughs> it's like that sort of sadness has no faith in it. You know? He painted the situation in a rosy fashion. And then, of course, the end of the story is he raises the dead girl uh, back to life. There's a sort of mourning that has fear in it. And then there's the sort of mourning uh, that leads you to steps of faith. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. The context of that verse, Jesus weeping, is that he has arrived at Jerusalem on the eve of his death. And he weeps not for himself. He weeps for the city. He weeps for all the grief, for all the destruction that he knows is there and will be there. But then he says, but because of that, because of my broken heart for you, I'm going to go to my death, which will release resurrection and hope. That sort of joy, that sort of grief, rather, has, has a little bit of faith in it, a little bit of joy in it, and it opens the door for miracles uh, to happen, transforming situations, not escaping them, not mischaracterizing them, yeah, this sucks so badly that I'm going to put a little joy in it. I'm going to enjoy in this moment. 
I'm going to find a way to enjoy so that faith can be released and something good can happen even in the midst of all of this darkness. You get joy uh, by choosing to express it in faith in the moment of great trial. Not always in the moment of great trial. You can be joyful at other times as well. But that's when we need to be most intentional about it. See, I think joy is a virtue like love or generosity. Um, and virtues are habits that we develop. You have to build capacity for them. Like physical fitness is a virtue. But it's all about building capacity. Your muscle gets bigger when you work it. You're looking at me thinking, man, you must work a lot. I know, I know. Um, you have to do things that develop joy. You have to make choices for it. Uh, two ways you can do that. Uh, you can exercise joy by faith when the only reason to be happy is because the Lord is near. The only reason to be happy is because you know if you choose to be happy right now, it will release goodness into the situation. You do joy as a ministry. Joy as a ministry. A smile as a ministry. How about that? Uh, I think it's a powerful ministry of faith. Um, so that's one way to do it. Sometimes scripture says uh, that when you rejoice, there there won't be any logic behind it. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. And the peace that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your mind uh, in Jesus. What does that mean? I think it's a fancy way of saying rejoice, particularly when things are nasty. Rejoice. Enjoy. Find your way to joy. And if you make it, you will have it. But don't think about it. Right? Don't try to get all logical and rational and cerebral about it in that moment. Just exercise it. Just do it like a ministry. And it will change you. It will change you. Find some reason to do it if you have to imagine one, great, but don't think about it too hard. You know, you can set your mind on whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy. He says to the Philippians in chapter 4, anchor yourself in something like that if you have to, but, but it's going to transcend your thinking in the moment. Just do it. Just do it as a, as a ministry, as a choice. Joy by faith. It's possible and it's righteous. So that's one way to do it. My advice when you do this, don't, don't play the emotional games that you might be tempted to get into, right? Don't go to avoidance. I'm going to choose joy. Everything's fine, everything's fine, nothing's wrong here. No, that, that's a game, right? If you choose joy, you can be like, wow, this really sucks. The Lord is near. There will be goodness here nonetheless. That's different, right? That's different, you following? So that's choosing joy by faith, not choosing joy by avoidance. And then another thing that you can do to exercise capacity for joy is you can just exercise joy whenever an easy opportunity comes up. Like, you know, when, when Ben and the guys stand and laugh and they laugh, you can laugh with them. That's an easy opportunity. Or, if you prefer, you can laugh at them. Just as good in this situation. No problem. Whatever it takes. But that's an easy uh, opportunity. Uh, I kind of 
I kind of suck at this. I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of okay with the first one, like I'm okay with choosing joy by faith. If things are really, really bad, I mean, if there's a true crisis situation, I'm the guy you want with you. I am. You know, you're in the trench in wartime. Uh, you get stuck in a bar fight. You're in a third world country uh, in the middle of a jungle. Your car runs out of, out of gas and simultaneously gets a flat tire. Been there. I'm the guy that you want with you, right? I'm, I'm actually really, really good in those situations. You know, put me at a raucous birthday party, I suck. I totally suck. I'm not very good at this, so I just say that confessionally. But if you, if you are good at responding and expressing, then you should do it like exercise, you know? It's not a gift I have, but I work at it, and I encourage you to do it as well. We got a puppy this week. I mean, right? I mean, you talk about an easy opportunity to exercise joy. Uh, we got a puppy. In fact, I think, I think the puppy is in a crate somewhere here. No? He's in, oh, the, pup, the puppy got taken to kids' church. The puppy is going to have a great time at kids' church. It's like just like an eight-week-old, some sort of Labrador pit mutt thing. Uh, but uh, my son, Jeremiah, my 12-year-old, uh, said puppies are, I said to his, his mom this week, puppies are fragments of joy. God gives them to us to remind us. He's a great preacher, that kid. Uh, but, but this is true, right? I mean, can you watch a puppy play and not, not enjoy a little bit? I mean, how, how sick and twisted do you have to be to watch a puppy play and not enjoy just a, a, a little bit? It's an easy opportunity. Uh, go for it. Well, when I was a kid, I was a little bit of a, of a sad little kid, and, and I would use animals in this way. You know, uh, they were a bit of a salvation for me. I was just an animal guy, and one, one of the big reasons that I'm a vegetarian today, I just, I can't eat them. Because my experience of them was so vital and so significant and important to me in a different fashion. You know? easy opportunity, and that was one that I could take. Just a personal example. We do musical worship every Sunday. This is a large part of what musical worship is for. It's an easy opportunity to express rejoicing. And if you don't take that opportunity, I mean, you're just, you're just missing an easy one. It's just, it's a slow pitch softball. You should be able to hit that one. Um, I'm, not, I'm not naturally musical. I didn't do anything musical until I got to college and there was this hot chick I was interested in. She was really musical. And so Sonia taught me my first three chords on the guitar, you know, which is sort of my way of, of hanging out with her. And, and, and I, you know, I got musical uh, and, uh, and sort of made that, made that choice and eventually it became... Uh, a, a big facility for me, you know, music can release my heart when it's really difficult for me to express the release of my heart in any other fashion. Of course, eventually, as you saw earlier, I've also gotten really fluent in dance, uh, but uh, not all of you have the sort of gift that I do for that, uh, I know. We have celebration dinners around the church all the time. It is a constructed celebration. You should celebrate when that happens. You know, when you throw a party, you should party when that happens. It's an easy opportunity. 
and you should have a Sabbath day. Let's just get back to that and end with it. You know, a Sabbath where you quote unquote pretend for a while that everything is okay. Because if you don't at least go through the motions, those muscles will atrophy. They will get so weak and disused that you no longer are able to use them. Have you ever been in a period of life where you've worked so hard for so long that even when you get a few days off, you can't rest? You can't, you can't sleep even though you're exhausted? You get stuck, don't you? This is what the Sabbath is for, to not just rest, but to create space unto the Lord where everything is okay and you use those muscles. The rest of it you set aside. Doesn't matter what work needs to get done. Doesn't matter what things need to be grieved. Right now, we are enjoying. You follow me? There are two senses to the word enjoyment. Enjoy can mean being in joy, having joy. How many of you have joy today? And then there's the sense of enjoy to put joy into something. How many of you need to put joy into something today? Yeah, both are powerful, powerful things. Joy is a powerful, powerful ministry. One of the most frequent life lessons that the Bible offers us. Rejoice, I'll say it again, rejoice. You have to enjoy things. The Lord is near, and there is goodness right at hand. Don't think about it too hard. Don't think about it too hard. If you need to, you can think about thankful, uh, praiseworthy things, admirable things, pure things, wonderful things. But just practice that chilled outedness. That's holy. That's powerful. That will guard your heart and your mind if you do it. It will bless your emotions and your cerebral understanding of things. Because faith always makes you powerful and miraculous. And joy is often a doorway. Turn to the person next to you and give a joyful high five. Let's stand and pray. I pray, Lord, for, um, for faith from heaven and for the boldness to end joy in our lives. To end joy, to entertain joy and to put joy into things. Holy Spirit, come with a spirit of conviction this morning, I pray. I pray that you would convict us of our missteps, our misdeeds, where joy is concerned. Just where joy is concerned. Uh, Joy is is holy worship. And I think there's just an opportunity this morning to repent of depression and to repent of of hopelessness, uh, to repent of hoping in sadness, if that makes sense to you. Now, there are lots of reasons that we get depressed. 
there are lots of truly, truly sad circumstances that can exhaust us and make us sad. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. And that's not what we're talking about. There are also physical reasons that you can experience sort of a physical or chemical depression, and that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the choice for depression that so many of us often make. A false empowerment that comes from just believing that things suck and there's no hope. I release to you, if you're in that place, I release to you the ministry of joy, the choice for joy that opens a window so that things can change. A choice that God cherishes, excites him very much. If you have sad circumstances, we can grieve with you. We can pray for that. If you have a physical sort of depression, uh, we can pray with you and try to heal that. But please make the choice for joy to inject some faith. That will make that job a heck of a lot easier. I know how it works. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us a contagion of godly joy in the world. That people would respond to us with joy and faith just because of the spirit that we're expressing. I pray, Lord, that you would release uh, joy and faith in us uh, that we might be influential in our world this week. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Hugs all around.